And that taught me the power of niche influencers, I'll call them, because you can pay a million bucks to Kim Kardashian and probably get a ton of people to see your product, right? But when it comes to niche influencers, if you have a product that really works for a very specific group, find a very specific ambassador, celebrity, influencer, whoever it is, athlete in my case, and you will get a great response. I'm just going to kick this off by saying uh, this is the first episode that I've done on this podcast where I'm wearing my guest's t-shirt. All right. That's perfect. So we have a first today. I got my, I'm wearing uh, my t-shirt too. <laughs> hey, that makes two of us. We got something in common. That's all I wear. <laughs> so I literally, uh, just to do a quick intro for you. So you've, you've done a bunch of stuff in the e-commerce space. You have an agency you just launched recently. Uh, but the way that I met you is because I was a customer of your last business that you just recently sold, tallslimtees.com. Uh, yeah. If you open up my closet, I literally have in like five or six different colors, mostly black and grays. I probably have about 40 uh, tall slim tee uh, V-neck t-shirts in my closet. So uh, I've been a longtime customer and uh, really awesome business. I'd love to hear kind of like what, obviously you're tall. I'm six foot eight. I'm sure you're Probably close to my height too, or taller. I'm only six six. You're only six. Okay. <laughs> only. <laughs> I got you by two inches. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, obviously that's probably you know you had the same problem I've had is trying to find t-shirts that fit, and uh, they're either like too boxy and huge, or they're like, you know, like a belly shirt showing your your belly button. So, uh, obviously, I, I see the need being a tall guy for uh, tall slim oh, yeah. tees, but uh, I'd love to kind of hear like what got you to kick that off and build the company and uh, ultimately what the middle part was like and then why you ended up selling it. Sure. Yeah. It was a, it was a random uh, series of events, I guess we'd say. Um, when I started my career in uh, digital marketing, I was doing search engine optimization and got into um, affiliate marketing. And so I was running the affiliate program for Icon Health and Fitness, which is the largest equipment manufacturer, fitness equipment manufacturer in the world, or they were. Uh, you know, 10 plus years ago. And um, they have brands like Nordic Track, Proform. It was going great. We, I was reviewing these treadmills. I had this big team. We had videos. We were doing a lot of great things. And then it was like 2012, I want to say. And Google updated their algorithm and decided, no, eh, we're not really fans of affiliate sites anymore. And suddenly this money-making machine was slapped and a lot less than it was. I had to start thinking, hmm, <laughs> maybe this affiliate thing isn't isn't uh, the way of the future for me. And so um, that's when I first explored e-commerce and thought, oh, maybe this is maybe there's something to this because I know how to do the marketing, I know how to build a website, I can do all this stuff. I've just never done thing where done anything where I'm the one selling something. And so a neighbor of mine, he's a trucker. He drives an auto transport truck, so he moves cars. There's um, a huge well, no, just to go back for the affiliate thing uh sure. i love affiliate marketers they're like some of the most ridiculous creative geniuses that i've met yeah, uh, <laughs> i've heard stories like uh you know I, I just heard one this week actually you know the new kia logo it kind of looks like it says kn yeah uh someone launched a site called like knkar.com or something like that and yeah. uh because 
just in the last couple of months since that new logo came out, there's just been this huge spike of searches yeah, for like 30,000 searches for KN cars. Or yeah. Something. So like, what's the, like someone's like, Hey, there's an affiliate opportunity here. I'm going to go launch a KN car website. And uh, so like affiliate marketers, the kind of stuff they think about to drive traffic sometimes, it just blows my mind. Uh, the creativity. Yeah, is very creative. You have to be, that's the only way to survive in the industry. Oftentimes sites get stale. It's hard to keep up with content. Because Google's just always rewarding content. And with affiliates, you just have your one little affiliate link. And now even just, I think it was this week or last, Google's already said, we're going to start rewarding sites that have multiple links. So if you're a product review site, normally you have one Amazon affiliate link, and that's how you make money. Well, now they said they're going to start rewarding sites that use multiple links to multiple stores and shops mm. to try to discourage. They're always trying to discourage the affiliate stuff. And it's this ongoing battle. And then the affiliates, marketers, they evolve and adapt. And um, for me, rather than evolve and adapt, I thought, you know, I'm going to head towards e-commerce because it seemed a little safer. Amazon was taking over the world at the time. It seemed like a good wagon to hitch onto. And so um, my neighbor who drives that truck said, man, I've always got this problem. Whenever you hit a flat and you're uh, driving on the highway on these big rigs, I can't change my tire. I have to sit there for hours and wait for a service truck to come and, and get the tire off and, and help me out and stuff. He said, wouldn't it be great if we could get our own tires off? And he found this random little tool in China called a torque multiplier wrench. It looks really strange. And we ordered one in and we just branded it and we called it the cheater wrench instead of a cheater bar that you normally use to take lug nuts off a off a car. It's a cheater wrench. And it allowed anyone to generate well over 500 foot pounds of torque easily enough to break the lug nuts off a truck and um, change your own tire on the road. For an owner-operator, that's huge because time is money when you're driving these things. So we launched CheaterWrench.com. We put it on Amazon, and we thought, well, let's just try this, and it just blew up. <laughs> we were the feature tool at the end of the year, for tool of the year for Trucking Magazine. What year was uh, that that you did that? Gosh, 2012, 13, somewhere around there. And Landline was featuring us. We were just, every trucker basically had heard of us. And even competitors started to shoot up. And they all said, oh, we have the best cheater wrench on the road. So we had basically accomplished what Rollerblade, Kleenex, Band-Aid, all these brands have accomplished by becoming the generic phrase for your product, right? So no one called, called it a torque multiplier wrench. They all called it a cheater wrench, which was our trademark name. And it was great. So then we started thinking, what else can we do? And we, you, and we uh, like stick your lawyers on them to uh, stop using your no, name. No, we were we were we were thrilled that the people that were ranking ahead of us or or near us in video search and stuff like that were calling theirs a cheater wrench because then people would just Google cheater wrench and find us. Ours is the only one with that. You know, we stamped our logo on the on the case and everything. It was great. We loved it, and we thought, well, this wasn't too hard. Let's find other things. So we did tools. We did other toys. We did all this stuff. And then finally, my light bulb went off and I thought, you know what? I've never been able to find a t-shirt that actually just fits. <laughs> and I went to Google and I searched t-shirts for tall skinny guys. And every result was a forum on Reddit or t-shirtforum.net or something where the forum thread question was, hey, does anyone know where I can get t-shirts for tall skinny guy? And all the questions, all the responses were no, but if you ever find out, please let us know. So I thought, Hmm, maybe there's an opportunity here. So well until uh until I found your site, the only place that I found that 
sells t-shirts my size is uh uh the netherlands <laughs> yeah that's true where where the average male is like six one or something like that yeah <laughs> they actually make them for us of course the shipping is probably outrageous but um yeah there there was no one doing it in the states there was too tall.com had just started in the uk and they were doing everything. It wasn't just shirts. They had all kinds of stuff. So their t-shirt selection was pretty minimal um, at the time. So I thought, okay, got on Alibaba and found a manufacturer out of uh, China. They were the only ones who would work with me because our we were doing custom sizing. And most factories said to do custom, you're going to have to do 20,000 shirts a month or something. And I can't do that or afford that right now. And they said, oh, okay, well, if you want to do only a few hundred, you've got to do our our standard sizing. So this one manufacturer out of China was the only one that said, we'll do your custom sizes and we'll do whatever quantities you want. You just have to get a minimum of one uh, bundle of fabric, which would make roughly 70 t-shirts. So it took about six months of sampling with them to finally get the fit right. All the dimensions and the ratios of length to width and uh, sleeves. And you wouldn't believe how many things we went through fabrics just tons and tons of trial and error until we finally got this one shirt came and I tried it on guys six, one to six, seven, and this shirt fit everyone. And I'm like, I have a magic shirt. <laughs> what is with this shirt? It just fit everyone. And it was always long enough. It was snug enough. It stretched just fine. It wasn't wrinkling after we washed it. It didn't shrink. It was the perfect shirt. So we made that the medium size. Cause that was what 50% of our customers at the end of the day would order medium. That's why I'm six eight and I wear the medium. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, the largest for guys who aren't necessarily that slim. They're just really tall, but maybe a little more built. Extra large is was like seven footers, basically. The only one who could wear something that long. There's a dress on me, and I'm six six. <laughs> so um, we finally got it right and launched it in 2014, I think, summer of 2014, and just like before it was met with just instant adulation everyone was just a huge fan they wanted to get they wanted more colors more styles more 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 all we had was the the v-neck what am i wearing v yeah v-neck and round neck in four colors and two sizes that that was all we launched with and they were gone in about two months which is how long it took to get more <laughs> what was your first batch how much did you order the first batch was there was 70 of each color and that was divided in half between medium and large. And so there was uh, two styles. It was 140 times four. four. It was about just under 600 shirts. Okay. And wow. we were selling $20 free shipping. And it was only on our website. And we, yeah, in about two months, they were almost gone. We, we started ordering more. So then we added more colors. And then eventually we added a small size um, for the guys who were really, really skinny. Uh, eventually we added the extra large for the guys who were just really, really tall. Um, funny story, the two tallest, uh, two of the three tallest people who live in Utah live, were my neighbors <laughs> out, of, out of random coincidence. One of them is Sean Bradley, who played in the NBA for a long time, seven, six. Now in his NBA days, he was a lot more slim. <laughs> he, uh, he's, uh, not quite as slim anymore, but, um, I, his kids were, were there. And so I was able to kind of try him with his kids. And then David Foster, who played center for the University of Utah, he's 7'3", and he's still very slim. And um, so it was cool to have those guys come in and try him on and model with us and stuff. 
Um, Do you have a height requirement in your neighborhood? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it <laughs> must be this tall to enter, right? Uh, to get to buy how it was pretty funny how we all ended up by each other. Um, but, but it worked out great. And so then we started adding long sleeves and we did uh, polos and then tank tops and then hoodies, hoodies and sweatshirts. And before too long, suddenly um, this wasn't just a little side business anymore. This was a full fledged, like running just fine on its own livable money kind of endeavor. And so my, my partner who had, was the trucker guy in the end of, I think it was 2017, we'd been at it for a few years, all, all the shirts and tall slim tees stuff and all the rest of all the other stuff were exactly equal at the end of the year. And I said, I said, if we're, if ever I'm going to just try and do this on my own, now's the time. So we amicably separated and he kept everything else. And I took just the shirts and the brand and um, made an LLC for, you know, just the shirt brand and everything like that. So like basically he split off like the cheetah ranch and all the other things yep. you had going. Yep. So he's been doing that by himself for gosh, now five plus years. He's still doing it. And um, it, it's been going, you know, just fine for him. Well, it makes sense. He's the trucker and you're the tall guy. Yeah, exactly. I was like, you take the product, you know, you knew all the tools and stuff. You, you're the one who, who made them. And it made a lot of sense, and, which he was fine with because he had a full-time job. I, had, I was working at Squatty Potty at the time. I was doing their digital marketing. Um, that was the days of the unicorn and the rainbow poop and all that kind of stuff. That was, that was a fun time. I got um, two of those as well, by the way. <laughs> nice. <laughs> See, I'm all, yeah, I was going to say, what else have uh, you uh, order any Balance of Nature uh, supplements online anytime? Uh, I have to check my wife. She orders a lot of supplements, but. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. uh, everywhere I've worked, it's, it's uh, following you. So, <laughs> Your marketing's um, that good, man. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I, must, I must be doing something right. So um, I left Squatty Potty and did the, went to Tulsa Teeth full-time only thing. And then that was all I did for a few years. And it, that was just some of the best times of my life. I, I was the only one um, doing doing it all. Um, no one else was marketing anything. No one was selling anything. No one was doing. I just ordered everything. Uh, came up with all the ideas for ads and marketing campaigns and um, started to work with pro volleyball players. And we really took off um, in the pro beach volleyball space. Pretty much every pro beach volleyball athlete either wore my stuff or or knew who we were <laughs> i was well acquainted with basically all of them and it was just a great time um the reason i had to sell though i got testicular cancer in 2020 oh, i'm sorry and um surgery chemo i had to focus on treatments i couldn't run a business it was just me so unless i hired you know the general manager or something and i just didn't have it in me and thought you know it's been a good run it was fun um, I think it's, and it, it, we just sort of plateaued. We were doing fine. It was livable money and providing for, for me and my family. So you for, wouldn't have sold otherwise then? I probably would have just kept it going. Sure. Um, but with that going, I thought, you know, I need to focus on treatments. And if this is ever, if Tulsa and Tease is ever going to become a household name and, and really grow, it just needs to go with someone else who's really a lot more ambitious and wants to push it and grow it. And so, um, I sold it to the owner of Redwood Tall, who was, a uh, fairly new competitor in the space uh sam he's uh, also six five six six right around there and he already had a baby clothing brand knew what he was doing with e-commerce and apparel um so we took just a few months and that was that i had to 
uh, right as I finished up, was finishing up chemos when the sale went through. So I was had the energy to at least go and box up all the inventory and send it on its way and um, clear, you know, just clear out the warehouse basically. And, and so it was just you running the whole the whole company, like everything, every you know, customer yeah. support, marketing, logistics, uh -huh. supply chain. Whenever I needed help, Black Friday, I'd have to, I'd have my two sisters in law come pack up orders. I mean, we'd have. The last Black Friday I did it, we had you were packing boxes too. You didn't you didn't do a three PL yeah. or anything? No, I had every I had all the inventory and I packed everything. And how uh, many boxes per per day would you get on average? That was about twenty orders a day. Most of them went okay. in flat rate padded envelopes. That was pretty easy to do. The boxes were for people that ordered like more than four shirts, basically. And but Black Friday, if we had you know five hundred orders to pack up, I don't want people waiting weeks to get their stuff. Yeah. So I'd have uh, my sister, my sisters in law. Uh, that live around here. I did a packing party. Everyone show up after Thanksgiving. Let's go pack some shirts. So um, that was always pretty fun to do. But uh, it taught me a ton, though. I, I used affiliates because uh, I knew the affiliate space. I used ambassadors and social media to get it out there. I used SEO, PPC, Facebook ads. I just basically learned the entire arsenal of uh, online marketing tactics and just had a great time doing it because the, the brand was me. So people who liked the brand um, were responding to me, to my sense of humor, to my, you know, everything was just what I was coming up with, which some people didn't like, which is fine too. <laughs> uh, it was definitely a very um, lighthearted brand and um, just had a blast doing it and learned a ton and uh, wouldn't, wouldn't change anything. Yeah. I, I you know, huge fan myself. Uh, so our <laughs> listeners are a lot of tech entrepreneurs, founders, uh, you know, people building companies, you know, e-commerce businesses, SaaS companies, all sorts of stuff. Um, are you comfortable getting into like metrics, like KPIs, CAC, uh, average order value? Yeah, uh, as best, as best metrics. I remember. <laughs> yeah, because that kind of stuff is interesting, you know, sort of like where you saw critical points where metrics maybe flatlined or like grew rapidly, you know, if you saw something grow rapidly if you ever had something waterfall you know where you at the time of exit kind of where you were at with uh like revenue and just some of those those metrics is that something that you're uh you know comfortable getting into yeah i've got uh general ballpark on a lot of it still i mean i would always pull up analytics or whatever you know at the time <laughs> um to to check those things out i'll tell you though the first time that so like i said my background is search search engine optimization very much a poll strategy right and when I saw that the results in Google were just forums asking for my product, I joined all the forums. I answered all those questions and said, hey, everyone, you were looking for these, found them. Link to Tall Slim Tees. Every one of those links is what pushed me up the search rankings. And the links themselves got a lot of clicks because uh, there were a lot of people curious about these kinds of things. And so even to the day I sold it, we would still get traffic from those forums um, and those different places. Reddit sent a ton of traffic. And that's how it sort of started was just, hey, I know, I know from a search perspective, there's people looking for this that are not being finding what they're looking for. So I can do that. And within a year, we were number one for every search you can think of, t-shirts for tall, skinny guys, shirts for tall, slim males, like any variation you could think of, we owned it. And it was great. But um, after that, I thought, okay, maybe we should be trying other things to grow so that you know, we're kind of plateaued. Uh, 
So where did so that get day. you? Like, uh, just, you know, kind of hitting all the, all the tall guy forums and like, you know, owning all the organic keywords. Uh, what was, you know, how many orders per month did that get you? And, uh, sort of like, what was, um, what am I trying to ask here? Like, what was, uh, uh, you know, kind of what, what, what was the market size on that? So that got us when I, when I first launched, it was like summer and from the summer to the end of the year, we did about 20 to 30,000 in sales. And, um, towards the spring of the following year is when we started to sort of own the search more. And that pushed us up to about a hundred. It, it was about five times just for moving up in search. Nice. From word of, going from essentially so the, what was the forums kind of got forward. you like 20% of the way there. Then the search got you right. the other 80% of that revenue. And the way search works, the forums are what basically made the search work because all those links got is links from other websites to yours or what push you up Google search. And so they got us direct traffic, which got us maybe 20,000, <clears> but over a full year, that would have been more like 40. And then after about half a year of, of owning search, we were at a hundred thousand. Then we got to about 150 and we plateaued in about 2016 timeframe at, at about 115 revenue. And we were, our margin was not great because we did free shipping. Um, it was expensive to get the shirts here from China and everything. And so we were making four to five dollars a shirt. If you ordered more shirts, it was better. Obviously, volume health. Um, E-commerce so our, is a tough business. Like the margins yeah. are usually pretty low. Uh, yeah, you have to do free shipping. No one wants to pay shipping. And yeah. so what a lot of people do that I am not a fan of, but I see why they do it is it's free shipping if you spend a certain amount. Yeah. And, and that gets people to buy, you know, to buy more. I didn't want to do that because I was selling plain basics that I thought every guy deserved to be able to have some plain basic shirts that just fit and not have to break the bank for it. Right. So I was really committed to keeping it at $20 and free shipping on the shirts. I didn't have to raise prices till 2019 or 2020. And at that point, shipping, flat rate shipping had gone from 425 for a single envelope to 675. Mm. So it had gone up 250 per shirt. So that ate into the margins. Uh, my cost per shirt went from about 550 landed to about 850 landed. So at $20, I suddenly was only making a dollar or two per shirt. Like wow. it was not a sustainable. So what what was like uh, the most EBITDA that you ever had in like a, you know, a single quarter or a single year? And what was the least, you know, in like a percentage uh, amount? Uh, I, I wouldn't be off the top. I had no percentage amount. The, the, the least we did was definitely uh, kind of towards the end um, before I raised those prices because we just weren't, charging enough honestly it was it was sad that i when i had to do it but i sent an email out um we had about ten thousand customers on our email list when i was done and lots of really sympathetic and uh understanding uh people responded um just just happy that i was still around and not having to call it quits essentially and so it, it worked out okay it, it really irked me to have to do it but um it just wasn't making it a any money, you know, kind of at that point. So there, there was this price range that had to come. But um, to answer your original question, before we got to that, uh, when we were sort of hit that plateau at 150,000, we were right around that 20 to 25% margin on that. So it was good as a little side business. It's one of many e-commerce yeah. products, right? You know, we had a, we had the cheater wrench going great. We had the, you know, so it was all of them together. It was, it was working out pretty well. 
But then I tried, um, I said, okay, I'm going to do some, some Google ads because um, I can. And um, no, my phone's buzzing. It's going to come down. Here we go. Don't want it to fall. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Google ads did a little something. And what, where I think the Google ads helped was um, helping me identify more keywords that I could incorporate because I could show my ad for basically everything and see what people were searching. But where, where it really started to take off was doing Facebook. And on Facebook, I did retargeting. So what the strategy was is I hired a writer that would come in. And these blog posts were maybe 300 words, um, three to 500. They were, very, they were pretty short. But we would just basically answer any question that had the word tall. <laughs> so, <laughs> If you go to answerthepublic.com, it is a great resource, a great tool. Answerthepublic.com will tell you, you type in any word or phrase, and it will give you a list of questions people are asking on search engines using that word or phrase. So if I put in tall, it would you would get anything from how tall are the dude perfect guys to how tall is the world's tallest tomato plant. Random. <laughs> out right now. Yeah, totally random stuff. The blog, we may still even show up. Tulsa Teeth might even still be there for all I know. Oh, is this is Neil Patel. What's that? This is Neil Patel's tool, right? Uh, it wasn't at the time. <laughs> Maybe oh, now. Okay. I mean, this was six, six or seven years ago. And I typed in tall and got this list of hundreds and hundreds of questions. A lot of them were about celebrity heights. You know how tall is so-and-so. But what I would do then is... We'd write a targeted blog post to that. We'd get the answer box in Google and we get all this traffic of people looking for something related to tall. Now that doesn't mean they were tall skinny men themselves, right? But then on Facebook, what I would do is do a retargeting campaign. So anyone who hit my website would have the cookie dropped on their machine. And then if they came to Facebook, they would now see my ad and it would sort of follow them around. And then on Google, I did the same thing with retargeting. So that as you, and you've probably seen this, you visit a, mattress website and um suddenly you see mattress ads everywhere right that's for marketers like me that are, are retargeting you and man that thing worked great we were doing we were acquiring customers from facebook ads at less than ten dollars uh cpa with with this ad and um and what was like an average that, order value on those uh about sixty dollars the average order is about three shirts about $60. So that's, that's good. That's good CAC. Yeah, it, it worked out pretty well. Um, it actually started more like 15 to 20. But then I found the guy who claims, uh, so far undisputed, he's 6'9". His name's Eric Grady. And he says he's the world's tallest comedian. And the tallest no one's Comedian. Oh, okay. So no one's challenged him on it. So I give him the title. I say, hey, no one's going to say anything, right? So I flew him in and to a little studio, actually the Squatty Potty studio, because I worked there and I knew the photographer and everything. So we filmed a thing there that was very much in the same vein as the Squatty Potty unicorn ad. It was very full of humor, infotainment, we called it. And I wrote it, the script very similarly to how the, the um, Harmon brothers who did that unicorn ad. Um, if you've seen the Harmon brothers ads, you recognize them kind of when you see them. They all have yeah. a very similar style. And I sort of copy that style. I made that my retargeting ad so that people would see the video. And suddenly this video had thousands of likes, hundreds of comments. Our cost, uh, our CPA went down below $10. It was really generating a really good response. 
And so I thought, oh man, people really respond to this video stuff. So I thought, I've got to figure out how to get more people to my website so that there's more people to hit with the retargeting campaign. And so then after those ads, we were doing about 200 to 250 um, in, in 2017, 2018, right around there. And it was, and we were still pretty profitable at that 20, 25% range. Did you have like, so if a first time visitor hitting the site, uh, I'm assuming from what you just said, the conversion rate was much lower than a visitor coming from a retargeting campaign. Like was the conversion rate higher from retargeting? Yeah. So if you looked at most of our website traffic was coming through the blog. And so the overall, the website's conversion rate was pretty poor. It was like one, uh, one point something. I don't even remember what, but that's because we were getting at the time, maybe about 10,000 visitors a month and about 8,000 came through the blog and they were just looking up random things like the tallest tomato plant or, or tall Halloween costume ideas or something like that. Totally random stuff. But if you looked at, um, on Google analytics, you can uh, do these different reports and segments and you can see conversion rate by landing page and people who entered through the homepage were converting at seven, seven to 8%, wow. which was really high. And then people that were coming from retargeting that, that you know, were referred from Facebook or something like that was 10% or more. I mean, we were crushing it with the number, which is unheard of really in, in the e-commerce world. Um, What's like but, a lot of, like a, a big traffic month for you? Like how much traffic would you be getting? Um, average month was usually seven to nine. Um, the big yeah, months then. were, were holiday, you know, black Friday, we'd get, we would do more orders in black Friday than the month of October. So the whole month of October, we might do 500 orders black Friday week. I'd started on Wednesday morning and run it through cyber Monday. And that sale period, we would do 500 plus orders wow. <laughs> easy. So we got a lot more traffic, uh, November, December timeframe. But it was actually not seasonal in the sense of um, we had tank tops in the summer. We had hoodies in the winter. There's always something people were coming to get, short sleeve and long sleeve shirts. So the, the traffic stayed you know, pretty consistent across the year. It was just the holidays when it would spike, <clears throat> which was awesome. What, the biggest spike that we ever had um, when I was looking, you know, researching these Facebook advertising uh, avenues and channels, I thought, boy, you could target everything, every interest you can think of, every demographic. It's, it was fantastic. There was only one you couldn't target, and that was height and weight. <laughs> so I thought, dang it, I can't target tall, skinny people. I guess they didn't have the data or it was some protected group or class. Or, you know, I don't know how that all worked. So I had to think, what, what is something that tall, skinny men would be doing that I could target? And volleyball, I, I ran a BMI study on athletes. And the tallest athletes are basketball. Second tallest were volleyball. But the average BMI of a basketball player was something like 25. And a volleyball player was something like 21. Like it was really low. So I thought, my people, right? <laughs> Tall, skinny people are volleyball players. And so there's, unbeknownst to me at the time, and strangely, still to this day, there's no real professional men's indoor volleyball league in the United States. There's groups that have sort of tried and kind of come and gone, but there's nothing like the NBA or the NHL or something like that for volleyball, which surprised me. But there is a beach one and beach volleyball people are very um, rabid fans. They love beach volleyball. And I came to love beach volleyball 
um, meeting these guys because it was just really cool that I could go to the Manhattan Beach Open, which is basically like the Rose Bowl of beach volleyball. And I'm just sitting there filming with my cameraman with some drone footage. And who walks past me but one of the best volleyball players in the world, Phil Dahlhauser. And he's just walking by, taking a stroll on the beach. No one's bugging him. All these random beachgoers, since we're away from the arena, don't even really know who he is. They don't know that an Olympia, a gold medalist is walking past them. And, but they were very accessible. You could just talk to these guys. Um, we went out for drinks after, uh, and, and uh, half the guys were there. We just ch chatted with them and just talked to them. And so I found the tallest. Ryan Doherty was his name, 7'1". And I said, I'm going to sponsor the tallest beach volleyball player there is. <laughs> And so um, I contacted the AVP, and uh, AVP is what the league is called. And they were coincidentally that month going to do a um, fundraiser, and it was a fashion show. And I thought, this was meant to be. You're doing a fashion show? I, and at the time, we had women's shirts, too. And I said, let me do a line where all eight of your male and eight of your female athletes who are walking are dressed in tall, slim tees. What would that cost me? They're like, oh, for it was like a thousand bucks or something, a donation. Wow. <laughs> so I said, I'm there. I, I, I sent the stuff. I flew in with my videographer. We made a video of it. I talked to every single one of those athletes after, and we had people locked up, ready to go. This was in October, November. The season started in May. So through that time, I got shirts printed for them, uh, hats, all the swag I could think of. And and these guys were decorated out. So the two guys I had were Ryan Doherty and Billy Allen. They were partners. And in May, the season starts. The very first one was Huntington Beach, I think. And that week, that month of May was our, at that point, was our best month ever. Topped uh, November. Topped a Black Friday month. It was the biggest month we'd ever had. It was just like the traffic was just skyrocketed, more than doubled. And I thought, oh, I think I'm onto something here. <laughs> something worked out. So I started contacting everyone. I had them tell their friends. Um, I was going to volleyball matches. I was talking to these guys. Um, one of them was from Utah in Salt Lake. No, two of them, uh, Casey Patterson and Jake Gibb. They played in the Olympics together. They were from Salt Lake. They went up and did something there. Their coach was driving back and randomly at a gas station sees my car, which is all decked out, tall slim tees. And he just comes up to me, hey, you're the tall slim tees guy. I'm like, yeah, he's all, I coach Jake Gibb and Casey Patterson. I thought, well, these guys, I need to sponsor these guys. And he said, oh, well, they, you know, they already have sponsors or whatever. And then later that day, I'm at Waffle Love and I run into Casey Patterson at Waffle Love. And, I, and so I get his phone number. We're texting each other. It was the, just the coolest thing to sponsor all these guys. And that taught me the power of of niche influencers i'll call them because you can pay a million bucks to kim kardashian and probably get a ton of people to see your product right but when it comes to niche influencers if you have a product that really works for a very specific group find a very specific um, ambassador celebrity influencer whoever it is athlete in my case and you will get a great response we did the same thing in swimming Swimmers tend to be tall, long. So with uh, with that though, uh, was uh, if I heard correctly, the traffic and the sales that you pulled in from the influencer volleyball strategy was that almost essentially equal to what you were getting from yes, your. Doubled. So you, you we, literally we doubled. Doubled the doubled the revenue in the, in the, in that year. So in 2017, we did two. It was like two ten maybe, 
And in 2018, it jumped up to 430 or 430 something, I think it was. So to put and that a different way, literally 50% of your sales were coming from specifically the niche volleyball community. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's wild. It, it was wild. And, and it wasn't even just these athletes, right? So Kevin Barnett, who was the AVP announcer, he's the one doing the color commentary on the broadcast. He got in on it. We got one of the referees. He got in on it. The MC who was, you know, announcing on, on site, he got in on it. Like all these guys were volleyball players at some point that were involved in the sport. They're all tall, slim dudes. They all wanted to get in on it. And then they started saying, you know, you need to go to the, the boys' um, national championships, the under 18 for high school. There's 400 teams that show up. All these boys, you know, they're gangly teams that are, you know, 110 pounds, six foot guys. And um, that was my plan the following year. And, you know, cancer derailed that. But that following year, I was just going to hit up every boys' volleyball league I, I pretty much could and start going after uh, the parents. Because by the time I was done, the most interesting thing I think was that about 50% of our customers were women and oh, wow. all for dads, kids, husbands, boyfriends, whoever. Well, the users and, of the shirt were always men, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. We did, we, we did women's because I noticed this trend. Suddenly a lot more women were ordering as gifts. So I thought any woman associated with a, say their son is a tall, slim boy. Well, they got to get the genetics from somewhere. So there was a chance that mom was tall and slim, right? So I thought tall, slim tees for women. And so uh, we launched the women's line, but I learned a th- that men and women shop a little differently. So you and I, for example, you open the closet and there's one brand of shirt in there and all the colors, or in my case, all the colors, because I, I could, <laughs> um, but you would just get the one brand, right? Women will open up their closet and there's 40 shirts from 40 brands. And that's just the way it is. And it was just so strange to me that I'd have all these shirt options, colors, and styles for women. And they would come and buy one shirt and they would tell me how much they loved that shirt. And I thought, there's that shirt that is in six more colors. There's two other <laughs> styles. Like, why aren't you buying those? They didn't. They just I just love this one shirt. So I don't I don't know what that why that was, but that's just the way men and women are different. So we ended up discontinuing women's because. We were selling so few women's shirts. I needed the shelf space to just put in something else for the men because those things were always flying off the shelves. Did you do it and out so, of your, your home garage or did you have a warehouse? I uh, had a warehouse after about three years. We needed a warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> we were just doing it out of a, um, office suites. So it was just executive office suites. We wow. ended up just getting two next to each other. And one of them had our computers and stuff and one uh, rack of shelves. And then the other one, we cleared everything out and it's <laughs> full of shelves. Um, but for 200 square feet to be spending $450 a month to rent, you know, this one office, we didn't make sense for storage. Um, so we got the warehouse, which was like 25 cents a square foot Oh wow. worked, worked a lot better, but man, I tell you what, I, I loved getting to know volleyball. I learned all the rules. I learned all these guys. I was following the sport, you know, closely, um, was friends with all these guys, still have their numbers in my phone and stuff like that. And, and a lot of them don't stick around and play for very long. Ryan is now, a, I think he's a financial advisor in Florida. Um, hmm. they, they don't, you know, play forever. Not a lot of money in the sport or something great. or just injuries? No, or? no the, the, you can't do it full-time professionally, really. Um, even the guys at the top, you can win the biggest tournament and you and your partner might, might get $10,000 each or split $10,000 or something. There's just not a lot. Um, 
of money. They're trying to change that. Uh, I don't know if you remember uh, Carrie Walsh Jennings. She's a uh, women's beach volleyball player. She won like four straight gold medals or something. She's like always winning in the Olympics. She started a group. What was it called? I can't remember, but it was sort of um, beach volleyball tournament meets music festival <laughs> and mashed them <laughs> together and just made like this sort of big event out of it. Um, and she was trying to get that going um, to really just hype it up more and bring more sponsors and advertisers, make it a bigger deal, more money for the athletes, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it, this is not a very lucrative thing, which is why there's not a men's indoor league. Unfortunately, they, there's there, the NVL has kind of been there they have like six or eight teams or something like that. And it's kind of regional and um, hopefully one day it, it takes off because I, I think volleyball is a great sport. Um, that's that's just so cool. Like it's fascinating to me that you found that as a niche, which was capable of doubling your revenue from, yeah. you know, you think organic and you know specific, you know, forums and paid channels are going to be the holy grail. But you just you know took all all your channels and doubled it with this just wacky like you know un, you know it's just it's something I, I probably wouldn't have ever thought of just to you know. Maybe basketball makes a little bit of sense, but just this random niche that you just like, <laughs> doubled your revenue with. That's awesome. It was uh, actually kind of funny with basketball that you mentioned that because it's Squatty Potty, Steph Curry's wife. Uh, no, Steph Curry tweeted once, um, went to Sacramento for a road trip, came back, and there's Squatty Potties in every bathroom in the house. <laughs> and, you know, comes a joke. So I'm at Squatty Potty, right? And I'm like, we've got to do something with this. And so we got a Steph Curry jersey at the mall. And we hung it in our bathroom and we tweeted back to him and said, uh, hey, Steph, turns out we've got your jersey in our bathroom, too. <laughs> and so we sent the whole Warriors team squatty potties and um, they wanted to send them shirts with the squatty potty logo and rainbow unicorn thing. So I said, let them be my shirts. <laughs> I looked at the Warriors roster at the time. The shortest guy was 6'1". Tallest guy was 6'11". And so I looked up what size in my shirts they would be. We got them printed and sent them to them. Unfortunately, I never heard anything of what came came from it. But I know at one point, everyone on the Warriors had a Squatty Potty t-shirt. And if you looked at the, the label on the neck, it was actually a tall slim t-shirt. Nice. That's awesome. So, uh, at, so at Squatty Potty, you were director of Ecom. Did you work on the, uh, the Unicorn Poop campa campaign? So the video came. And they started to blow up, and that's when I came on board. They did; they okay. couldn't keep up with. They were trying. They were so overwhelmed with the response from it. So when I came in, I said, "Let's keep running this unicorn stuff. Like, let's embrace that." So we got. Um, have you heard of the color run, mm -mm. where the chalk? You know, they throw that color chalk at you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah all that kind good. of stuff. So their their mascot was a colorful unicorn, and our mascot was color you know, colorful you know, uh, unicorn. So I said, "We gotta work together and have like a." partnership where you you know your unicorns on tinder and, and sees our unicorn come up and you know love at first sight or something and so we started working on that campaign and um we had the song the unicorn was going to sing instead of rubber ducky you're the one it's going to be squatty potty you're the one you make poop time so much fun we had the whole thing scripted out we were going to go you know kind of go with it and we had all these big plans um but then i left to tell some tease at that point when I started at Squatty Potty, we were doing six to eight thousand a month, maybe, and then six to eight thousand at Tallslim yeah. Tees or at Squatty Potty. Six, six dash two eight, <laughs> so, you know, seven thousand a month. 
And then suddenly we were doing 16, 17, 18,000 a month after those. But was that at Squatty Potty or at, uh, at for Tulsa and Tees? Okay. While right. I was working at Squatty Potty. So Tulsa and Tees has always just been the side thing. Because I could run ads on the side. I could you know do all that kind of stuff. And uh, we were only shipping out five orders a day, maybe. It wasn't that hard to just kind of go to the warehouse after work and just ship them out. And so I left because we were doing so good at Tall Slim Tea. So I didn't ever get to see it through with the, uh, all the squatty potty stuff, but um, it didn't look like they ended up doing a lot of the stuff we had planned because <laughs> I never saw it come out. So uh, okay. they went into the direction, tried to do, tried to do other things. Well, uh, as we wrap up here, uh, do you want to plug your new business a little bit, what you're doing? Yeah. So um, after cancer, I took a lot of time off. Um, just trying to get back to normal, feel, you know, feel like myself, get some energy again. Um, and from the sale of Tulsa Tees, I actually invested in a couple local businesses, a restaurant and a, a photo studio, just friends that wanted to get something going. And um, so I was helping them with making their website and doing the marketing for it, stuff like that, and was just enjoying it. So I started Decuster Digital, and that is my um, consulting business and marketing agency business where I'll build your website, do your marketing um, SEO type stuff and uh, kind of get you going in the right direction there. Uh, consult with you on what your online strategy is just because I've, I've had all this experience basically trying everything. And uh, when people come to me over the years, they always know me as the web guy, right? So it was always free advice because I wasn't set up to do this and um, just talk to people through, through what they were doing. Um, so then my wife, who is um, a local foodie influencer in our town, so there's maybe 100,000 people in Saint, little St. George, Utah, on the southern tip of, of Utah. We're far from Salt Lake. So we're kind of on an island here. And she's got this local foodie account, oldest, largest following. And um, we decided to do a print-on-demand business, which is um, you don't have to carry the inventory on, on the shirts or, or any, any product, mugs, hats, aprons, you name it. And so she's going to do these foodie designs. Um, you know, tacos are my love language or something written on the shirt. And then we're going to uh, launch a website at thefoodieboutique.com, which is going to be a boutique sort of, you know, apparel shop for food. Or not, not yet. Um, it's getting up. It's there. It's just not functional. You can't buy anything. I haven't even set up a, a payment processor yet. It's literally working on it right now. Uh, but we're excited to get that going. So she's basically uh, the two investments we made were my first two sort of clients, if you will. And she's uh, she's basically my third. <laughs> and each of these, I, I own a, I own something. So, uh, but yeah, looking to grow that and help people with their web presence and, and stuff like that. So, um, it, it should be pretty fun to do because it's just what I've always done and enjoy doing. Yeah, and I was going to ask you why not? Uh, why 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 move into the agency space rather than doing another e-commerce business? And it sounds like you are kind of doing that e-commerce business with your wife, so you kind of have yeah. uh, both uh, both ends of the spectrum there. That's cool. Yep. So it's almost like a little friendly competition. So to Custer Digital, I'm a 100% owner of my own LLC. The Foodie Boutique, she is the 100% owner of her LLC. So it's like uh, who's gonna who's gonna outdo who? You know, at the end of the year and, and stuff like that. <laughs> Of course, she's dependent on on me making her website and, and driving traffic to it and stuff. But you know, as she keeps up with the designs, um, a lot of what we're going to do is through influencers. And, you know, there's foodies everywhere. Um, Are you so guys we'll both one hundred percent in on your businesses? Yeah, 
Oh, that's cool. So, so she like she like you're not working full time anywhere, and she's not working nope. full time. Oh, yeah, cool. Love that. Yes, we're, we're all in on this and helping our our uh, businesses that we invested in. They literally just launched in September, and so they're still very new startup, you know, kind of phase, and uh, trying to help them through that because neither of them have uh, started a business before. So um, walking through, you know, you might not get paid in the first month or two, or you know, like sometimes these take take time but they're both actually going really well and and uh, growing obviously with the restaurant i am married to the local foodie okay you know in in town so she can plug the restaurant and really uh really put it on the map which was which was awesome and so um it's just really fun to to see other people to be that sort of angel investor we're not talking like huge dollar amounts here right it was more just these are friends that we know like and trust that are trying to get something going and we, we just wanted help and so um we don't own a very big part of their business it's really all them we just wanted to help them make it happen and because for me owning a business has just been such a really satisfying and fulfilling experience um i've worked at agencies owned an agency <laughs> i've worked in, internally at companies i've worked for myself and done my own thing so i've kind of run the whole gamut i've always just really enjoyed having my own thing going even if it's only on the side so helping other people do that has just been uh, a really satisfying uh thing to do as well so really enjoying it yeah cool uh well i think we're at a good uh wrapping up point uh dan it's a pleasure I, you know we've gone back and forth over email on uh yeah. you know various tall slim tea matters over the years and uh yeah. it's awesome to you know finally you know put a face to the name and uh you know get to talk with you live and hear your story and a lot of really great nuggets i think this is going to be a good episode and i appreciate you coming on awesome yeah thanks for having me Yeah.